Welcome to Football Never Sleeps, the aspiring to be viral YouTube show all about Notre Dame football. We come to you on a weekly basis. We've been jumping around where we've appeared in time slots during the week. We're actually going to move to a Monday night time slot next week for the duration of the season. But today, it's not Monday, but we got lots of great stuff for you. We've got season predictions, the state of the program, a little bit of recruiting. We've got some news later on about a great offer we have to subscribe to our Inside ND Sports website. We'll be taking your questions and working them in during the conversation. And Tyler has lots of more good stuff, everything that I forgot to tell you. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll provide the details of that promo that we have coming. It, it, it's not live yet. Um, if you're watching this live with us, but it will be live on Friday. Um, so if you're watching this back on replay, you're watching now and re remember to go back. Um, I will, we will add the uh, link that you need to use in the promo code to the comments of this video. So you can get that or in the description as well. So you'll be able to find it and it'll be all over our insideindiesports.com website. Um, but for first time subscribers, you can get an entire year's subscription for just $23. Um, so we are, Begging you to give us a try, $23 um, for an entire year of our coverage. I think um, you will think that is worth it once you uh, make that purchase. You'll be able to stick with us throughout all of the season, into the offseason, recruiting season, and leading up all the way till, till next season. So you'll have all that time to decide if you want to stick with us. And I think we're confident that you will want to if you give us a try. So look out for that starting Friday. It'll be running through the weekend. Um, but a big deal for first year subscriber, first time subscribers, get your first year for $23 and, and the promo code and all that information will be added to this video um, starting on Friday. So we'll make sure you guys have that information available to you and um, available to you on insideindiesports.com. Um, my usual spiel, um, ask us questions during the show. We are doing predictions today. Um, so if you have like a season prediction you would like us to make, we have a list of things that we have planned, but if you have other ideas that you want us to, to make predictions for, please feel free to submit those. If you uh, are on YouTube, you hopefully football related, predictions. <laughs> hopefully football related and Notre Dame football related. But if they're not Notre Dame football, maybe we could do that too. Um, if you're on YouTube, uh, if you're on a desktop, you should be able to comment to the right hand side. If you're on a mobile device, it should be below our talking voices. Um, and if you are watching us embedded somewhere, make sure you click through to YouTube so you can get access to the chat and you can submit questions to us. But we have plenty of things planned. We have some um, comments already. Thank you from Joshua, Frank, and Stanley. We appreciate seeing you guys. Um, so let's get things rolling, Eric, with our predictions for the 2023 season. Yeah, we're going to jump right into the predictions. We're not going to make you wait for those. Um, again, I accuse Tyler on twitter slash x of using a ouija board so we'll see if we fess this up to it but the first one we're going to start with the bottom line notre dame's regular season record tyler i'll let you go first on all these i have mine written down in case you need a screenshot and think i'm copying off of your <laughs> Copy paper me? are you trying to run one up me if i say 10 and 2 you're going to go 11 and 1 so it sounds better um I, that is what i'm going with is 10 and 2 um i feel decently good about notre dame's ability to maybe win two of its three three games, and those three big games obviously being Ohio State, USC, and Clemson, three teams ranked in the top ten um, heading into the season. 
I think Notre Dame can win two or th- two of those three, but I'm but that to be to go eleven and one, then they would have to go perfect the rest of the season. I I'm not a hundred percent confident in that. So I think whether it's they lose one of one more of those games, I think that they can win, or lose a game that people don't expect them to win. Whether it's some of the games against NC State, Duke, um, some of those sneaky games that come up on the schedule. Um, so I'm going ten and two for Notre Dame's regular season record. What say you, Eric? I do too. Uh, you know, this fall camp, or I guess it's not really fall, but preseason camp really changed my mind in terms of what I thought was possible for this team on the high end. But I still think the most probable landing spot is ten and two. So that's where I'm going to go with with it. I think they're a better team. They'll bring a better team to Notre Dame Stadium on September 23rd than they did to Ohio Stadium last September in the opener and a better coach and a better coaching staff. But I still think Ohio State's going to get them and probably USC too. It's weird because I feel good about them against Clemson on the road after eating at the smoking pig mm-hmm. um, to, to take that win. I think this is going to be a really tough out for teams in November. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Um, we if if we go to the smoking pig, got to get there before they run out of brisket, like last time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so speaking of brisket, um, I'll transition to the next prediction, and that is the postseason game and an opponent for Notre Dame this season. Well, I'm curious about that transition. I don't know if you got them playing in the brisket bowl, but I didn't know there was a brisket bowl. Um, yeah. My uh, my prediction is the Orange Bowl versus versus Florida State. Um, I think if if Notre Dame gets in the Orange Bowl, it's one of those situations where they can't replace the ACC team. But I don't think the ACC team is going to have a team in the playoff, um, and I think there's a chance that its champ could end up being Florida State. Um, and going to the Orange Bowl. So that is my prediction. What about you? Um, so I should mention that unless they make the playoff, which neither of us are predicting, they can't play in the Rose and the Sugar. Those are the semifinals this year. I'm glad you didn't say Orange Bowl. because I was gonna be like, oh boy. No. The, Rose and the, <laughs> the Rose and the Sugar are out. So the possibilities are, um, you know, they can play in the Peach Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl. The Fiesta Bowl will likely probably be Big 12, Pac-12, um, and and the Orange Bowl opposite the ACC. I'm going – I picked the Peach Bowl, so kind of briskety area. Okay, okay. Uh, there, and then uh, against – wait for it – LSU. Oh, I, see, I want – I was like – well, what can I do to get LSU? And then I looked through, I was like, I can't figure this out. So, <laughs> but that, I mean, that's who I would, I, I mean, who wouldn't want to see Notre Dame play against Brian Kelly? I think that would be amazing. Um, but I, I couldn't figure it out. So Eric found the secret sauce and that's peach sauce. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame in the peach bowl. Uh, thank you, Joshua Williams for the $10 brought to you by Irv Smith and great and alum and executive global tours for getting my family and I tickets to the game in Ireland. I am pumped. Well, Joshua, that is awesome. I will be in Ireland as well. I am looking forward to it. Um, as I've been telling Eric, I have lots of learning to do to make sure I know what I'm doing in Ireland. Um, <laughs> I've ordered plug-in adapters, um, but that's about as far as I've gotten. So hopefully you enjoy Ireland. I'm looking forward to it as well. 
Um, I think it would be a pretty cool experience for everyone making the trip over there. Yeah, really appreciate it, Joshua. Um, um, and and Jay Grizz was chiming in. First, he chimed in with uh, 13 and 0, so he doesn't like our prediction, which I, I respect the 13 and 0 prediction. Um, although 13 and 0 means they won a game that wouldn't, wasn't, wasn't in the college football playoff, so they need to go 14 and 0. Um, but we, I won't give you too hard of a time about that. And, right, and our prediction was regular season record. We did not. Right, predict. and Jay Grizz uh, says if they don't have brisket, give give them the burn ends, and I I can I can appreciate that as well. So um, those are those are some good comments. We appreciate. I, I would like chatting. Tobias Merriweather, Dom Merriweather's burnt ends. That's right. Maybe maybe you can make him at at the Peach Bowl, and we just won't invite Brian Kelly this time. Well, I'm going to find his tailgate for the Tennessee <laughs> State game and see where he is. There you go. So we're going to go to our next prediction, as long as we don't have any more um, commentary. Final ranking, then. Well, for Final me, this ranking. was easy because I had to vote in a preseason poll, so I make that what I think the final ranking will be. Oh, well, then I know what your answer is going to be. I, yeah. will, I won't spoil it for what people say. Um, I guess I'll say eight. I don't. I don't have a great sense of like how that all works out in, in terms of okay, ten and two, and uh, that would that would be a, a win over Florida State in the uh, theoretical Orange Bowl that I've proposed. Um, so eight, maybe. I guess maybe they would get higher than that, depending on. I guess it depends on what else is out there. But I went with eight overall. What, what about you? I went with ten, but I didn't calculate. I didn't calculate how they would do in their bowl game, and okay, uh, that probably. I should have done that was probably my logic doesn't hook up. So maybe I'm the one with the Ouija board, but um, <laughs> I did put, I voted them number 10 in the FWAA hyphen NFF super 16 poll of which I'm a part this season. Okay. We will move on to the next, if there's no comments and this one is going to be offensive and defensive MVPs. I I went sort of chalk here. I went yeah. offense, Sam Hartman, and defense, Benjamin Morrison. What about you? Well, I just called him Ben Morrison, but uh, <laughs> but I went with those two as well. His mama calls him Benjamin. I'm going to call him Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, usually you don't have a cornerback win that. I mean, uh, I I would think Julian Love was his his year, but uh, but I. You know, there's going to be so much rotation in the front seven. You're not going to get monster numbers, I think, out of those guys. And I think Cam Hart could also, I think it could be one of two different cornerbacks that mm-hmm. win it. But, uh, and then on offense, I mean, I still think Joe Alt is the best player, but he's not going to right. have the tangible performances that make him the MVP of the team. I think yeah. Quentin Nelson had a, had a um, argument argument his last year at Notre Dame, but I think Sam Hartman will be it. So that was we agreed there. So now this one is where it gets dicey, and this was fun <laughs> when we used to be at the Tribune because I think I can say this: Tom Noy would sometimes pick these are the three breakthrough players, and it seemed like sometimes Tom would ha- use players that were already established. <laughs> Yes. So he yeah, was his his, right. breakthrough, his breakthrough players would be like uh, what do we do? Audric Estime, 
<laughs> JD Bertrand. JD Bertrand. <laughs> um, and Blake and Xavier, Fisher. Xavier Watts. <laughs> yeah. So, but but Tom knows his football, so and he was usually smarter than us on predictions, anyways. But that one did crack me up. So who would be your three breakthrough players? My three are running back Jabron Payne. I think he has had a very productive wow. camp. Um, I think there's a lot of running backs that you could probably make a yeah. case for. Um, but I just like what he does in his versatility, and I think he's a little bit of a sleeper um, in this area. So I went with Javon Payne. Okay. Uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste, um, someone who I am writing about for later this week, um, is someone that I think – I mean, it's easy for him to say it's a breakout season because he's a transfer – but he doesn't come to Notre Dame as established as someone like Sam Hartman. He's he's been a backup, and I think we'll still rotate at Notre Dame, but I think he has the opportunity to be a real big threat for Notre Dame's defensive line. Um, the other one's another Notre Dame defensive lineman, Gabe Rubio. Um, I think there's probably another defensive tackle that I think you may uh, su- submit for your breakthrough player. Um, so I like what Gabe Rubio has done as well, so I went with Gabe Rubio. Those are my three breakthrough players. The fact that there were so many candidates that you could pick, I think bodes well for this team. Um, you know, Tobias Merriweather would be cheating. I mean, he only had one catch last year, but you know that he's been a projected starter for a while. I, I think that's cheating. So I didn't use him. It, it was funny because the running back I was going to pick, I almost picked was Jadarian Price, but I did not mm-hmm. pick a running back. So my three are Jason Anye. Who yep, is that's, a that's who I thought you'd pick <laughs> junior defensive tackle. I'm all in on Jason Anye. Um Holden stays. Yeah, I've been an Eli Raritan guy, and I still think Eli is going to be really good. But Holden stays, a uh, sophomore tight end is better every time I see him. Mm-hmm. And then this one is really, and none of these guys necessarily are going to be starters but they're going to be big contributors. And then my third is Jalen Sneed, a sophomore linebacker. who's going to have a niche role. You know, he, he's not going to have huge numbers, but I think he's going to have impactful numbers in terms of sacks, in terms of causing fumbles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like Jalen Sneed, sophomore linebacker. All right. I, I may have been able to guess your pick picks there. Um, because I, I salivate I, when I watch those guys. <laughs> watch. Although stays, I don't know that I would have predicted stays, but I, I had a good feeling that that uh, Anya and Steen would have been on the list. But, I mean, we talk to each other all the time, so I think we have a good idea of how how each other are thinking. Speak, uh, let's get to some of these comments. Um, sure. Let's see, let's see, let's see. This one from Mike DeVoy. He's, he's got some predictions for us, so let's throw these in here. How about a prediction on how many passes Sam Hartman completes of 30 yards or more? Uh, <laughs> way more than Drew Pine threw. How many did Drew Pine throw? Boy, this is a this is like uh, one of those complex math problems that would throw me. I, I don't have a good baseline, but what I will say is I think it will be more than anybody has thrown since at least Deshaun Kaiser and possibly all the way back to Jimmy Clausen in 2009. Yeah. I'm so trying. I'm cheating. I'm... I'm cheating there. I don't have those figures right in front of me where I can do that math. 30 or head. more here. I'm, I'm working on last season, 30 or more. Hartman had 26. 
Okay. And what was your prediction? I wasn't listening because I was trying to find a, a mine a, was more than anybody since at least Deshaun Kaiser and perhaps since Jimmy Clausen. I was gonna guess 30, but I didn't I didn't know if that was gonna be yeah, and the most the most in the country according to CFB stats uh was Austin Reed from Western Kentucky. He had 35 last season. CJ Stroud had 31, Caleb Williams had 31. Um, so that's 30 would be upper echelon, and that would be not far off of what Sam Hartman has done in the past. It, it, um, as long as Notre Dame's offensive line is what we think it will be, think about it. Wake Forest didn't have a very good rushing attack. They were 92nd in the country in rushing. And if Notre Dame has the threat of the rush and can do that deep passing game, then I think his number will be slightly higher than 26. So thank you for tap dancing so that I could look a little bit more intelligent there. So I'll go, I'll go with 28. Um, That's basically what you were describing without putting a number on, (laughs) but I think, I think 28 is probably be the number I would go with over under on sacks, which we will talk about. Right. uh, We have that coming up. Um, And a question who will be kicking off uh, Spencer Strader or Zach Yoakum? I would. I think it's going to be Spencer Schrader. I, yeah, you know, Yoakum it will did be. Such, he was. He was very good at it. Yeah, Yoakum was really pretty decent last year, especially kind of being thrown in there um, at the last minute when uh, Bryce McPherson got hurt uh, ahead of the opener. But you watch them in practice. I was watching them at School Field, uh, which is a high school field in South Bend. Uh, the one practice away from campus we were allowed to be in Um, (laughs) and I mean not only was Schrader kicking in a lot deeper than Yoakum he was putting it right where he wanted to or at least where I thought he wanted it to go I mean he his placement was excellent so Schrader definitely there yeah I don't have the numbers in front of me I think Schrader has been somewhere around like 80% in terms of touchbacks. Um, yeah. So I, I believe that's correct. He's, he's very good at that. Um, and he had none kicked out of bounds either. And so I think uh, Marty Biagi was pretty confident in Spencer Schrader's ability to do that. But obviously, <laughs> you know, you have uh now he didn't Yoke kick there. He didn't kick off a lot because <laughs> they South Florida score didn't score lot. very much. <laughs> but when he did kick off, he was pretty darn good at it. Um, all right, let's let's try to get a couple more of these. Um, this one is from Bob Alby. It's not a prediction, but we I figured we could throw it in here. I heard your podcast on the status of those that transfer out of Notre Dame, Diggs, Buckner, Pine, and Styles. Would you have any info on how Jacob Lacey is doing at Oklahoma? He's injured. We do know that. So they're hoping that he can come back um, here within the season, but. He won't start the season, I believe, on the injured list for them. Yeah, I want to say he was dealing with blood clots, I think was what was reported. Okay. Um, right. I, I guess know. that I, I use the wrong terminology. He is not playing. He's right. sidelined. So, right. So he's sidelined. Um, I think the report that I saw, I'm looking it up right now, estimates that he could be back as early as the end of September to bolster the Sooners' depth at defensive tackle. That was from Parker Thune, our, one of our reporters for – right. OU Insider, the Oklahoma Rivals site. And I'll tell you what, Jacob Lacey and his whole family are incredible people. Mm -hmm. Um, We had his dad on the podcast during the pandemic, and 
he almost died in the hospital. He got COVID right at the beginning. And mm -hmm. he even called Mike Elston, who was the defensive line coach, and says, could you please take care of my son if I don't make it out of here? So it was pretty crazy. Great interview if you ever want to dial back and hear that. Amazing family. And so uh, best of luck to Jacob in coming back from that. All right. We got a couple of awards questions here. So those are kind of prediction-ish. Um, Jeffrey Stevens asks, can Benjamin Morrison win the Thorpe Award? Has a sophomore ever won that award? I would have to look up and see if a sophomore won it off the top I'm, of my I'm head. I'm working on it while you talk. <laughs> okay. I think he can, and I think I'm, – I'm not predicting that he will, but this is why I think he may have the numbers, is because Kim Hart is going to be so good, and he's going to be the field guy that, that um, Ben Morrison is going to get interception opportunities, and they are going to have to throw at him because they can't just say – well, let's just throw it Cam Hart or let's just throw it to our slot receiver against Thomas Harper. Um, you know, Ben Morrison is, and I think he's going to get better. Tyler wrote a great um, long feature on Ben Morrison. If you haven't read it, it's free, correct, Tyler? It's yes. It's not yep. behind the paywall. Correct. It's I free. would read that and you will get a lot of insight into why he, he likely is going to be a better player this year than he was last year. Also great backstory into how he got from a freshman that was getting beat pretty regularly early in the season to a guy that was picking off passes against Clemson and mm -hmm. in the second half and, you know, had more interceptions than, well, I mean, the second most interceptions in the country there, the leader was seven. He had six. I have found no evidence that a sophomore is one. I did a Google search. When you find the list, they don't necessarily list all the list their class. And then so I, Try to check for sophomore. Nothing came up, so I'm guessing none of them, no one. Or excuse me, I'm guessing a sophomore hasn't. But um, I think it's like you said. I think it's possible that Benjamin Morrison could. Um, I know that there have it, been it, sophomore it, defensive backs that have been first team All American, but right. that doesn't mean they won the Thorpe Award. Yeah, and it's it'll be interesting to see like how he's how he's treated um, as a cornerback for Notre Dame. The, the good part for Notre Dame is that they they have talent at cornerback besides him, and so they, it's going to be hard to just like straight up avoid Benjamin Morrison um, because you're going to have to challenge the other um, other cornerbacks on Notre Dame's roster. All right, one more uh, award question from Eric Swope: Are you surprised by the number of award nominations on this year's team? Hmm. What Irish player or players do you consider the best bet to win an award? I am not surprised because no no offense to the Notre Dame players, those lists, those watch lists are pretty long, most yeah. of them. Not all of them, but most of them, it's like if you're not included, you should feel uh, snubbed yeah. snubbed because those are pretty deep. Now, now we'll last, there... year, last year, Jarrett Patterson was on the center list and he wasn't playing center. <laughs> right, and, and as a... As a redshirt freshman, he was on the center list, and yeah. he had never played center in his life when he he was on the Remington watch list. So those those lists can get pretty deep. Realistically, I mean, who would who really has a great chance? I mean, Sam Hartman has a chance to be, you know, win some of his awards. But there's some awfully good quarterbacks. It seems like they spread those mm -hmm. around a little bit. 
Um, Joe Alt certainly would as an Outland or a Lombardi guy. I mean, he would be in the, you would think he would be in the mix for that. Right. Um, the, the two cornerbacks that we mentioned, I don't think anybody in the front seven would. The tight ends wouldn't. I don't think anybody of the wide receivers would. Audric might. I mean, it just depends what Audric does this year and how good Notre Dame is as a team. Right. A lot of these things, when your team is good, especially if they kind of outperform their preseason ranking, that's what kind of pulls you into the semifinalist and finalist categories when people start to vote. They look for those teams that have overachieved and that are in contention for a New Year's Six Bowl. And especially people that don't follow things as closely, they'll say, well, gosh, this guy's got a lot of interceptions. Notre Dame's only lost one game. Let me right. vote for him. I'll I'll add one that you didn't mention. I don't think you mentioned it unless I missed it. Michael Vinson for the Patrick Manley Award. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that. And and maybe um, how do you say um, Dylan's last name? The holder. Is oh, Devison. Devison. Yeah, because I want to call him Devison, but Devison. Um, maybe he'll win that holder award that Montgomery Van Gorder won. Okay. All right, well we appreciate the love of the comments from Jay Grizz and Joshua Williams are giving us all kinds of compliments. Jeffrey Stevens also mentioned that he is Jeff from Phoenix from the chat. So it's great to be on FNS and thanks. Thanks for the morning chat and FNS on the same day. Okay. So we're going to go to freshman surprise. All right. My freshman surprise. It's tough because we've seen camp already. So it, if, You're right, if, and we've talked about so many of these guys. The guys right. were surprises going in. <laughs> right, Bubakar Traore would have walked away with it, but then we all hyperventilated over him. So, well, that's my pick. <laughs> okay, so Tyler I, will take that one. <laughs> I, I went with Bubakar because he's been the most surprising to me to this point. And I still think it's like not a shoe in that he's gonna play. Like he's down, he was doing some scouts team stuff, and actually he he threw down Cooper Flanagan on a rep that I was filming the other day uh, at practice because uh both him and Brandon Vernon, they're not taking their scout team assignments lightly. They were they were getting after after the opposing offensive linemen or defensive ends. It's a little bit harder to push around Blake Fisher and Joe Alt. So when you get a chance to go up against Cooper Flanagan or Holden Stays, it's a little bit easier to push those guys around. So um, Bubakar Traore, he's been, um, I think, the freshman surprise of camp. I'm going to end up the preseason, so I went with him for the season as well. That probably – I probably could have done that because, again, a lot of the guys aren't surprises. I went with Jaden Osbury now. Jaden, okay. you didn't hear a lot about him during the spring. Then in the blue-gold game, I was like, all right, this guy's <laughs> got some – this guy's got some mojo. And yeah. then – and just the when we've had the longer sample sizes of practice, he shows up. Now again, he's not a starter; uh, he's a rover, but he has incredible instincts. I mean, maybe maybe he will surprise us more next year than he will this year. But I mm -hmm. think this kid has a future and maybe a present. So I I said him and the and the guy that kind of my first runner up is. Jordan Faison, who's a walk-on wide receiver. The fact, I mean, he's not going to be in the deep rotation, but he's going to play some, and he's going to catch some passes this year. He he is a legit wide receiver. He belongs on this roster, and he belongs having a scholarship, in my opinion. 
Don't yeah, you think? no. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think uh, it's interesting to see how that scholarship thing works out with him. What were you doing? Looking at Twitter or were you really contemplating whether I was saying something smart? <laughs> Honestly, your voice cut out when you said the name. So I'm not sure what name you said. I think you said Jordan Faison, but I'm yeah. not uh, context clues. Um, that's who you said, correct? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, apparently I didn't get a good, do a good job of fooling you that I knew exactly what you're talking about, but I did at least figure it out in my head. Um, but yeah, Faison's a lacrosse player. So if they if he plays in a game, he has to be a scholarship player for Notre Dame rather than a scholarship lacrosse player. Um, so that makes that a little bit more difficult. But yeah, he's been. I mean, he. I guess if you're counting, I mean, I guess I would say probably even more surprising than when you're talking about a walk on. You're usually not expecting someone to be impressive. Like Luke Talich is impressive looking, but he hasn't necessarily done things. They're like, okay, he can play this year, maybe even. Um, whereas Jordan Faison, like if they had to use him at slot and be like, okay, that's fine. Um, he would, be, he would be impressive enough to do that. They're pretty excited about what Luke Talich will do in the future. He's a six foot four kid under 200 pounds though. Right. But I mean, this is a kid that won three state championships at the Wyoming state track meet. I know you're saying it's Wyoming and there's <laughs> only like eight people and you know, half of them are in the federal witness protection program that live in Wyoming, but, uh, but his times translate to national times. You know, he was uh, at under 10, eight, I think he was 10, seven, one in the hundred meter dash and it shows up on the football field. So, okay. So we went through that and Wyoming's history of track and field. And next, we're going to go to Andy's national ranking and total offense at season's end. This was uh, one of the harder ones for me. Yeah, so I went – so I did this for both this one and the next prediction, trying to look back because, like, when you say that, I was like, I don't have no idea what they've been finishing um, or what, like, what that would mean. Like, if you finish 25th, what, what would be a decent – like, the right number in terms of yardage for that to be – come true. Um so the last, I'll, I'll run through the last five years to give other people the context that I wanted when I looked this up. Last year, Notre Dame finished 59th, 2021, 45th, 2020, 26th, 2019, 43rd, 2018, 32nd. Um, I went with 25th. That would put Notre Dame in sort of the area of being having 450 yards per game, roughly, based on previous seasons in terms of the rankings. Um so that's where I'm at. I think I think the offense will be dynamic. I think they'll be able to put up points. Um, I think they'll have some long drives. They'll have some long plays, um, and all those things will add up to the 25th nationally ranked total offense. Would say you, Eric. Your response makes it seems like I stole your answer. You did. I, <laughs> Notre Dame between the start of the Brian Kelly era and last season, they've ranged from 27 to 67 they were 59th in total offense last year wake forest with a crummy running game but admittedly more seasoned receivers was 29th but here's the but notre dame plays six teams that have were 31st or better in total defense so they're going to face a lot of really good defenses so i landed with that calculation at the same answer tyler james had of number 25 I'm curious. I, I mean, this is getting probably too much in the weeds. There's a rule change in college football this year where not the clock doesn't stop after every first down. So I'm curious right. if we're going to see that impact total yardage because there's 
probably going to be fewer plays in games um given that but uh i don't there's just something to note um that, that that's I why i i really whenever i do comparisons over time and so forth that i stick with the national rankings because it's relative to the rules the rules right. change and the yeah, tempos yeah, yeah. change so that you don't have to account for that you're how do you perform against your peers right yes yeah, so 450 yards per game might might get you higher than 25th this coming season because for instance, right. in 2020, Notre Dame had 448 yards per game, and that was 26. So, Jay Grizz, I appreciate that. Yeah, okay. Jay, yeah, Jay Grizz, with a good reminder, it's okay to smash the like button if you're loving the content here. We we would appreciate that. Make sure you're also subscribed. We'll give you the spiel again at the end of the show, but sub- subscribe to us. Make sure you don't miss our football never sleeps throughout the season. As Eric mentioned, we will be moving to Monday nights starting next week for the rest of the season. Okay, so the next prediction will be the national ranking and total defense at season's end. And before you give your answer, I'll give some context. Since 2010, the start of the Brian Kelly year until last year, the range has been from number seven, which was the 2012 team, to 71, Brian Van Gorder's first season, mm-hmm. and then number 21 last year. I went with 20. Um, you have the same answer again. <laughs> well, it's, I did the extra homework of doing the yardage, so I said 20, and they'll allow 325 yards per game. So, <laughs> I think let me go first. I think, um, I think the uh, I put 20, and so you say, Wow, they're only going to improve one. Well, yeah, but I think they'll improve in some critical areas, I think they'll be a better team against the run. I think they'll be a much better team in the red zone, and I think they'll force more turnovers. And I think those are critical yeah. to them getting better. Those last two specifically were like that's what hurt Notre Dame's defense last year. It's like they weren't bad in terms of yardage, but in terms of when teams got down there, they always scored. Um, and uh, early in the season, Notre Dame wasn't turning 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 teams over enough to to limit possessions. So I think those are those are definitely key for Notre Dame this coming season. Okay, so we get to – was it Mike that asked the question about the sacks earlier? Uh, yes, maybe. <laughs> I, okay. don't, I don't recall. So uh, my, I'll look up. I, I believe so because he's the one that asked the difficult question about the uh, how many 30 yards or more. I'm yes, pretty yeah, sure yeah, it was yeah, Mike, Mike that I was yep. mad at that made me look dumb. <laughs> so um, this question is total number of sacks and then the person who will lead the team in sacks. I didn't ask for an individual total, but who would lead the team in sacks and then total number of sacks as a team. All right. You feeling confident that we're not going to have the same number that I can go first? Yes. <laughs> um, I, I went, think you're going to be lower. I me. went with Jordan Botello as the sack leader. Okay. And I went eight and a half sacks for Jordan Botello. Um, okay. And I said 35 in terms of total number of sacks as a team. I went with Jordan Botello. I didn't predict Jordan's. Um, individual sacks, but I did predict the team, and I went with 36. So we were really <laughs> close. Um, Notre Dame had 38 last year. They had a school record of 41 a couple years ago. I do think that their pressures will be very effective. Mm-hmm. They won't always end up in sacks. They'll end up in lower completion percentages, maybe tip passes, a better third down percentage, and better red zone. But um, you know, I and 
you know, I think they'll they'll still have a good number of sacks. It's just going to come from a lot of different places. So okay, uh, well, okay. So we're not copying each other either. That or you hacked my computer. <laughs> okay, trap game. Trap game. Uh, this is playing a little bit spoiler of uh, I did I did a segment on WSBT's uh, the local uh, one of the local news stations in town on Fox and CBS. Who uh, we are partnering with this year. They're gonna yeah, we're partnering partner. with this season, and I I did a segment on the the upcoming season schedule. Um, for their season preview, which will air uh, this Saturday at, I believe it's 6 o'clock Eastern. It's before the Bears game is on locally on Fox. Um, so if you're local, uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, and I went with Duke. Um, I just think it's a long start to the season. And then Notre Dame gets to that Ohio State game. And then I don't think you can let up after, after Ohio State when you go out to Duke. I know that's not something you normally think about when you talk about playing Duke, but – I just think that it's a tough spot. Now, maybe Duke's too good of a team to be a trap game. They're not ranked preseason, so I felt comfortable doing that. Um, so Duke is my uh, trap game selection. What about you? So in terms of ranking Duke, I can only vote for 16 teams on my ballot, but because for decades I voted for 25, I still make a top 25. And Duke was my 25th ranked team okay. in my imaginary poll that only the real part is 16 and up. Duke would have been my second choice. My first choice is NC State. Yeah. And that's week three of the season. The reason I say it is Notre Dame is going to play uh, offense or defense that they should match up much better against this year. They scored 35 first half points last year with Drew Pine as the quarterback and then decided to sit on the ball and play right into Navy strengths. Um, but Navy's weakness, and we had Bill Wagner on our podcast, Navy's weakness is the deep passing game. They were among the five worst teams in the country at defending the pass. And so then they go into Tennessee State, who isn't a – it's an FCS team and not a very good defensive SCF team. And then suddenly you're playing a team that was a top 20 defense last year and a team that's really given – Sam Hartman, some fits in terms of turning him over mm -hmm. in the years that they played each other and Sam's been the starter. And so that's why I think it might be a trap game because it's going to be a really, it's going to be a wild game on the road where he doesn't have a great, a great history against them. And then, um, so I think, yeah. And then, you know, Brennan Armstrong is a huge wild card used to be Virginia's quarterback was super good a couple of years ago. Notre Dame didn't play him because he was injured that game. They played mm. their backup and crushed Virginia. And then last year, Brennan Armstrong couldn't beat anybody. They had a new offensive coordinator, new head coach. Well, his old offensive coordinators at NC State and they're reunited. So there's a lot of reasons for me. NC State could be, you know, a difficult game. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, the 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 way the start of the season schedule plays out with that NC State game there and that Duke game after the Ohio State game, I think those are the two that, especially without Notre Dame having get, get getting to a bye week to those points, I think those are really um, something that may be concerning if 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 things don't if Notre Dame can't th keep things together because they they've set themselves up in a little bit of a difficult spot with the way the schedule plays out after going to Ireland and not not taking a bye week in that first month. 
So the next question is, who will be the best player Notre Dame plays against? And we're excluding the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and fingernail expert Caleb Williams. <laughs> I went with Marvin Harrison Jr., um, someone Notre Dame played against last year who, who wasn't necessarily uh, the guy, didn't necessarily have the same acclaim that he does this year, although he ended up having a great year last year. Um, it was, all the attention was on Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, who didn't end up playing much against Notre Dame, and Marvin Harrison played decent against the Irish, and I, I think he is the best player on Notre Dame's schedule outside of Caleb Williams. What about you? I went with him, too. Uh, you know, Clemson has some really good defensive players that I like. Um, there's there's really good players up and down the schedule, mm -hmm. but – um, you know, I looked at the PFF top 50. There's a bunch of opposing players in that. They're top 50 players, pro football focus. But I think Marvin Harrison. I mean, if you're going to pick somebody else, I mean, you might go with Emeka. Is it Egbuka? Am I butchering I think that? that? I think that's right. Egbuka, who's on the same team. That's how good their wide receivers are. And, and that's going to be such an incredible matchup that Notre Dame has come this far with their cornerback play. So right. I'm really excited about that particular matchup and how that you, – you would think that because Cam Hart is playing in the field, field corner, mm -hmm. that that's going to be the matchup, Cam Hart versus Marvin Harrison Jr. So, okay, we'll go to our next prediction, which is final Nash – National ranking by Rivals.com of Notre Dame's 2024 recruiting class. I went with seventh. Okay. Um, I think Notre Dame has a chance to add a couple more guys to this class. Um, they actually added two four-star rankings, which I or ratings that I didn't even realize until a little bit before we started the show. The the star ratings didn't update until later tonight than I thought they would. When I checked earlier, they didn't have any new four stars. But Kennedy Erlacher, a safety um, committed to Notre Dame, and Logan Saldate, a wide receiver committed to Notre Dame, were three stars previously, and they, they're bumped up to four stars. So Notre Dame has 15 four stars and seven three stars of their 22 commits. I think we'll probably add um, a couple more to the class, um, the top targets being Gerby Lambert and Davis Andrews. Um, and then try to maybe flip some other guys down the stretch, whether it's Caleb Beasley, Justin Scott. Um, Notre Dame has five guys currently in the Rivals 100, um, so that allows them should allow them to stay high, and I think it's nine in the Rivals 250 right now. Um, so I think that um, Notre Dame can finish inside the top ten. I don't know if they're going to push into the top five, uh, which they're fifth currently, um, but I have them settling in at seven by the end of the recruiting cycle. So again, I try to make this a calculus problem. I took what they're they're fourth right now. They have 24 32 points. Now you don't get additional points by just simply adding bodies. It's your best 20. That's what rivals measures, your best right. 20 recruits. So Gerby Lambert would increase that. If Notre Dame flipped either Caleb Be Beasley or especially Justin Scott, that would add to their total. But let I just left it at 24-32 for now, and then thought, what does that get you the last five cycles? It's It's got you 12th place, 8th place, 9th, 7th, and 11th. And one of those was actually the number nine was Notre Dame. 
So I averaged that out, came up with nine, and then bumped it up because I do think they're going to get Garby Lambert. And I think there's a chance they could flip one of the other guys. So number eight for me, but I think seven is probably a better guess. <laughs> we're pretty close on these guesses. Uh, so yeah. we, we, a lot of uh, – maybe we're talking too much to each other. Maybe we need yeah. to, like, next time we do a prediction show, not talk to each other for a week before we do it. Or, or just talk about Carter Carls, our old uh, – <laughs> Our old workmate who's down covering Texas A&M now. Okay, the last prediction that we have is Notre Dame's, it's actually a 2024 prediction, Notre Dame's starting quarterback in 2024. I got kind of asked this in chat a little bit about how that process would work. I didn't make a prediction there, but I thought, why don't I, I make a prediction and make Tyler do it too? <laughs> um, I'm going Steve Angeli. Uh, I don't know that I feel really great about it. I, I feel good about the progress that Steve Angeli has made. Um, so he's he's made enough progress for me to say him. I, I if you would ask me four months ago if I would have said Steve Angeli, I would I would have not said that. Um, and to me, if there's a second place, it's someone who's not currently on the roster, whether that's the transfer portal, maybe CJ Carr. I think that would be tough to ask CJ Carr to come in and start as a freshman, but. Um, I think, uh, right now I'm saying Steve Angeli. What about you? So, yeah, so there's really four answers here. There's a portal guy, there's CJ Carr, there's Kenny Minchie, and there's Steve Angeli. And I decided to go bold and pick CJ Carr. Oh, but none of those would surprise me. Not even Kenny Minchie, but I think yeah. he is the least likely as it's positioned now, given Steve Angeli's improvement mm -hmm. and the fact that it's going to be hard for him to jump over him during the season, right. unless there was an injury. So, But it could very well be a portal guy. Um, it's it's going to be a fascinating process. So none of those predictions are, to me, laughable. So <laughs> we are at the end of our prediction segment, which we're in. Way longer than I had planned. We still have some other. <laughs> well, content, we had a lot of a lot of questions too, and I can I can get us into some of these other questions. Yeah, let's uh, do the questions before we that folks we can, have. Yeah, sent our way. Jeffrey Stevens uh, said it appears that SpongeBob spatula behind you has been stolen. So I don't know if you want to update the folks on the whereabouts of your SpongeBob spatula. <laughs> so there's six grandkids. There's three that I call the three amigos that get along the best that like to hang out with each other. I only take three at a time. That's the max here. <laughs> they decided that they were going to play fast food restaurant for some reason. So the spatula and all the, um, the equipment that went with it, there was a, uh, there was a Ninja Turtles uh, plate up there. Uh, not a plate, but like that goes on your bike. That was up there for a couple days and then they needed that for something. So no extra accessories this week, but yes, they were they were asking me if I would like to eat plastic hamburgers. All right, um, let's go to Mike DeVoy's question. Any update on whether Zeke Carell will be ready for the Navy game? Could be a little worrisome if the middle three of the O-line are all first-time starters. Okay, so what we're hearing is that Zeke Carell is expected to be uh, ready for the Navy game. So what happened to Zeke Corral? Zeke Corral had a left ankle injury. The first day that that happened, he didn't really do anything. 
um, the second day, he was at least doing stretching. He was jogging lightly in a line. And then he was bossing around the other people that were playing center when they were doing drills. But he was in uniform. He, you know, made good progress from one day to the other. His ankle um, was, there was kind of like a soft brace and then it was heavily taped to keep that brace in place. I've actually worn that exact brace before when I broke my ankle um, years and years ago playing basketball. And uh, we'll have an update when we talk to Marcus Freeman on Monday at noon. So check out our website then. But that's the belief. So um, Ashton Craig, a sophomore who's been taking a lot of reps at center, he was working with the first team. And you could say, well, shouldn't you move Pat Coogan there? Because Pat worked at center pretty much all of last year and is the better player between the two. This deep into camp, I, I don't know if Pat hasn't been taking snaps at center for a while, so I'm not sure that, that that would work. But again, the expectation at this point is that Zeke Carell would play. Yeah, I think if you wanted a long-term solution, for like if they felt Zeke Carell was going to be out for several weeks, I think that they would maybe consider sliding Pat Coogan over and putting Billy Strouth in because they feel good about three guards. They've uh, Marcus Freeman even said as much. Um, so I think that would be possible. Um, but right, it doesn't appear like that's something that Notre Dame is concerned with currently. Um, Zeke was not moving around well yesterday. Um, I, I'm convinced that he was just out there just to because he knew the cameras were going to be there again because he wasn't really providing much in terms of. Uh, doing a lot of physical activities and looked like he was in some pretty serious pain, but I think he was able to get a gauge of what it felt like trying to do some stuff. And uh, I think he's got some healing to, to do ahead of the trip to Ireland, but uh, it sounds like there's some confidence that he can heal up in time to be ready to go for the Navy game. All right. Um, we got one here from Joe Mikelski and I was also going to mention uh, that Joe submitted Pitt as the sleep as the trap game for Notre Dame this season, which I think is a decent pick. Although, uh, um, I there's like a Notre bunch Dame. of Notre Dame. I mean, there's three Notre Dame guys at least on their team. Shane Simon, who's starting at linebacker, Sebo Flemister, backup running back, and then Phil Jakovic, the quarterback. Yeah, maybe Phil can finally get his revenge, but I don't. I don't anticipate that happening. Um, but a more difficult question that Joe submitted, um, how would you rank the position groups from best to worst coming out of fall camp? And uh, that requires like some dancing on our feet here. So I'm going to filibuster a little bit while, while you talk or while you think about that, unless you want to go at it first and I can, uh, I can uh, come up with my list. Well, I'll tell you what, um, while I'm, oh yeah, I, I'll do it off the top of my head. All right. That way, that way I can blame it if it's a bad thing. I'll say, hey, I was just doing up the time. <laughs> well, maybe we I can mean, go one by one. Maybe we what, maybe you want you want to say like what your first one would be, and then I could do maybe that's okay, a better way yeah. to do it. Okay, so I would say off the top of my head, cornerback. Cornerback, that wasn't that's an easy one for me. Yeah, I would agree. Cornerback, I think, is the top dog currently on Notre Dame's roster. I don't know. I don't think I've ever said that since I've covered Notre Dame since 2012 and you've covered Notre Dame longer than that. I'm not sure that you've ever said that either. 2002, 
Um, okay. Shane Walton and Vontez Duff, both all sure. Americans. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's fair. All right. Who would you put as the second best position group? And and I'm saying for the whole season, not on August 26th. I will say the offensive line will be by the end of the season. Okay. I would probably submit running back. Um, yeah, that, I really like the running back group. Um, and yeah. I think both coming out, out of fall camp and going into the season, I just think there's going to be a lot of success. And obviously a lot of their success will be due to the offensive line. So I think you could make an argument there for the offensive line, but I would go with the running back position at number two. Okay, number three, I'll go with running back. <laughs> and that's where I will go with offensive line. Uh, I think they're they're pretty tied into each other. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about the guard play um, in that they haven't been as impressive as I thought, but maybe that's partially a compliment to and their defense. And again, we've had the whole season, not just August 26th. All right. Um, four? Four, yeah. What do you got for four? I'm going to go with quarterback. I mean, Sam Hartman pulls it up, and then having yeah. no experience pulls it down. So I will put quarterback. Yeah, I'll put quarterback as well. I, I guess I could put them higher. if you. I mean, because basically you're really only talking about Sam Hartman unless something happens to him um, because it's not like they're going to be using multiple quarterbacks. But I'll, I'll put quarterback at four as well. Okay. The next one I'll go is – linebacker i like the depth there i like the niche packages i i like uh the experience um i i'll go there too i i don't want i could make an argument for tight end um that'll probably be my next selection but i will go with linebacker as my number five pick um i agree there i i mean People, I don't think, want to hear it, but Maris Leofau has had a great camp. Um, I think I was ready to write him off, but he he does not appear ready for that. Um, and Notre Dame's defensive coaches don't feel that way either. So I think uh, the linebackers could be in for a, a solid year, and the experience they have coming back and then finding those finding roles for the younger guys I think will be an interesting combination. Now it gets tough because I think all these are pretty similar for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would say here, I'm going to go wide receiver. Okay. Which means a lot of surprises and a lot of young guys doing well. Yeah. I'm going to go with tight end. I just feel confident with their sort of overall competency, um, as compared to the wide receivers. I, I really like Jaden Thomas. I think there's potential with Tobias Merriweather. Um, I think Chris Tyree is going to be solid for Notre Dame. And I think there's some younger guys. That'll you said close. tight end, and now you're talking about the wide receiver. Well, you said re receiver, so I'm oh, talking so about wanna, receivers. You want to tout my pick? Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, no, I, I, I think I'm just more confident that Mitchell Evans and Holden stays. Um, Eli Raritan, I think that group is going to be able to give you a more even performance throughout the season than I think that wide receiver group will as a whole. So I'm that's why I'm putting the tight ends ahead of the wide receivers. Okay. I'm going to make you mad because my next pick will be defensive line. Okay. Um, yeah. And the reason I didn't put tight ends higher is when Kevin Bauman fell out of that, th that was kind of the security blanket there. An older guy, 
mm-hmm. that really knew his way around. And then you start going, wow, if his ACL didn't hold up, how's Eli Reardon going to do with that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. all of a sudden, Cooper Flanagan, who was going to be really back burner this year, is is going to play. And and to be honest, at times he's looked pretty good. But yeah, but I don't think they wanted to have it a position that he might be the number three tight end on August twenty sixth. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think you can get away with playing him as a third tight end. Play Davis Sherwood some too. Like you're talking about a third tight end. Like how much is that? Like I, I, that's the advantage of the tight end group. They don't need as many guys to be as successful as the wide receiver group. Where if Notre Dame only has two receivers that are good, that's probably not going to be good enough for Notre Dame to consistently um, do what it wants to do offensively. Okay. Um, so, but I said defensive line. But you said defensive line. Why? What? What? What is? Uh, what is the defensive line showed you this camp? Besides Jason Anye being my guy, <laughs> um, I think. There's just been consistency in improvement in that position group. I said after last year, Al Washington had a lot to prove. And I think so far he has done nothing to say that that's not going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean we're there yet, but I've seen progress in the spring, progress through the summer, and then progress into training camp. I like, like, guys coming on like Joshua Burnham being able to play and mm-hmm. Gabe Rubio, who's one of your breakthrough players, Riley Mills. I mean, I, he's looked the part in practice when I saw him so high on Bruce Feldman's freak list and why he was a freak, including about a mile and a half hour or faster running. I went, okay, uh, I'm buying in on Riley Mills. The, the position that I'm not buying in on yet is a position I think you like is the field end. I'm not, I'm not sold on the hyphen guys being difference makers. I'm, I feel like they've got solid sure. players that'll do well, but not necessarily make a difference in a game. Yeah, I've started like I'm put. I plan to put receivers next, and it's like, well, I just picked two defensive linemen as my breakout players, so maybe I'm doing something wrong here with my list. But well, I think um, it's close. With those so players. yeah, so I would put receivers ahead of the defensive line. Um, I think so. That's why receivers are seventh. I think is the, where we're at on the list. Um, so who we got? We got two spots two left. Two spots left. Who do you, who not is, including who, special teams. Who's your second to last pick? I'm gonna go with safeties and then tight ends last. And if tight end you is last in <laughs> tight ends, then maybe Notre Dame is gonna be better than ten and two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was gonna I'm doing defensive line ahead of safeties. Um safety's at the bottom there. I think I, there's just a lot for that group to improve. I, I really like Xavier Watts. Um yeah. a lot of question marks after that for me at the safety. I think Chris O'Leary talked me into it. Yeah, and he's good at that. And I think yeah. Al Washington is good at convincing you about the defensive line too. Yeah. Um, but I just those are just groups that I want to see more from before I buy into yeah. them. Um, the reason I think I bought into the safeties is how much they're counting on them in nickel and dime coverage. They really yeah. want safeties and they have all these great corners, but they're going with safeties. So right. my deduction is, well, maybe the safeties are better than we're thinking <laughs> if they're not going to dedicate and put another corner on the field like Christian Gray or Jaden Mickey. All right, we got one more prediction question asked from Jay Grizz. What's more likely to happen 
the defense finishes top 10 in holding opponents low in scoring or the offense finishes top five in the nation in scoring? I would say the defense finishes top 10 in holding opponents low in scoring. If you could make a couple trades with Ohio State, put Marvin Harrison in the wide receiver core and maybe bring Quentin Nelson or somebody like that back and put them at one of the guard spots, then I'd say rocking and rolling with, with that number five. But the, option A for me. Joe Mikelski said tight end last means natty season loading. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so he likes our he likes our rankings so that that you put tight end last. Uh, I guess I don't, maybe maybe mine means ten and two because I didn't put them last. But um, I I think I think I agree with you on the defense being more being more likely to get a top ten in in a scoring defense than the Notre Dame's offense being able to get five. It, there's a lot of high-powered offenses across college football, whereas I think it's a little bit more attainable defensively. Notre Dame does play some good offenses, but I think there's a, a decent amount of teams that they can hold to low-scoring performances. So I, I would opt towards defense on that question. So right, that wraps all our questions. So And we're at 9 o'clock, and we didn't get to the other two segments. Um, so let's just throw a few things in there, and then you've got a couple of reminders here at the end about our uh, promo and also about our time slot. Sure. So um, let's let's look at the injury situation going into Monday. We mentioned Zeke Correll. Kevin Bauman is out for the season. Aiden Gobira, backup defensive end, is out for the season. K.K. Smith, uh, freshman wide receiver, is uh, rehabbing a shoulder surgery. He's not going to be around doing football stuff until probably October. A new guy over at the pit is what they call the area where the injured players work out. Was Michael Carmody had a had his right wrist wrapped, so mm -hmm. he was just doing things left-handed with the ropes and stuff. Uh, he has been very invisible during camp. I'm not sure what's happened with him. We haven't asked about him. But he's kind of fallen off the depth chart after being a guy that, you know, started a game, you know, a couple of years ago before they discovered how good Joe, uh, Joe Alt was. Uh, Michael Carmody was actually thrown in a game ahead of Joe Alt. So um, besides the injuries, the other thing I'll remind you, um, and we'll be back to do this early next week, is Notre Dame's defense is going to look different against Navy. You're going to see different personnel. You won't see as many of the niche packages against them. I mean, why would you use your dime package against Navy? Even if Navy's going to throw a little bit more, right? it doesn't make sense to use that package. But you may see Rovers in different places. You may see Jack Kaiser playing safety. You may see right. personnel that's really good against option that has some uh, experience against it, and then you get back into your regular defense when they start to play Tennessee State the following week. So those are kind of my closing observations. How about yeah, you? Yeah, I think I think that those are all those all make a lot of sense. Um, we have stories about the running backs that we talked to this week, cornerbacks. I have a story about Jeremiah Love that'll be up tomorrow morning, Friday morning, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, so keep an eye out for that stuff. I went through some of the recruiting stuff earlier because I, I had a thought, feeling that we wouldn't get through all this. And when we were talking a little bit about recruiting, I sort of caught us up on the class. Obviously, the bad news of late was Notre Dame losing a commitment from 
2025 tight end Nate Roberts, the number two tight end in the class um, out of Oklahoma. Um, a tough loss to lose him. His commitment only lasted less than two months. He's from the state of Oklahoma. I would imagine he will flip to the Sooners at some point. Um, but um, a very a very strange commitment slash decommitment there. But uh, like we were talking about, if tight ends last, uh, if tight ends your biggest concern in recruiting, I think you'll be fine. I think tight end will be addressed accordingly. James Flanagan, son of Jim Flanagan, uh, is also being recruited by Notre Dame as a tight end and is one of their top targets and Notre Dame is in good shape there. Um, the Rivals 250 movement I mentioned a little bit. Um, Notre Dame has, has nine in the Rivals 250. Those are all the same that were previously um, two four star, two new four-stars being Kennedy Erlacher and Logan Saldate, the wide receiver um, that Notre Dame added from Oregon State's class out of the state of California. Um, I think those are all the major recruiting points. If you want more recruiting coverage, we have plenty of it on InsideNDSports.com on the Insider Lounge where we post our scoop first for our subscribers. So you should check that out. And speaking of subscribers, we will be running a special this weekend starting on Friday for your first year. If you're a new subscriber, you can pay just $23 for an annual subscription. Um, that's basically a 23% <laughs> of the normal price. So you're, you're, get, you're getting a big savings there. If you sign up, um, I, I would highly suggest you consider that. Um, it helps support us, helps us a lot, a lot to do all the different kinds of things that we're doing um, and gets you part of our Insider Lounge message board community um, and uh, keep you up to date on everything that's, go everything that's going on before we get back on YouTube and, and blab blabber for you some more. Right, and to find that special tomorrow, just go to our website, go to our Twitter feeds tomorrow. I'll, uh, I'll put it in the I'll put it in the description to this video in the comment section. You'll you'll be as long as you're trying to find it, you'll find it. And I don't think you'll have to try too too hard. And and as as Ed mentioned, that's less than two dollars a month, so that's a pretty good deal. Thanks thanks for the math there, Ed. We appreciate you. And then. <laughs> And you can find that in the cushions of your couch. Unless you've got <laughs> grandkids, then you will find crumbs. But but uh, the other thing is, um, what was the other thing that I, we wanted? To Football play? never sleeps. Moving to Monday, Monday, seven seven p.m. Eastern um, is what we'll be doing. That's what we did last year. Um, if folks are like, "Hey, we really want you to do eight o'clock," because we've been doing some eight o'clock ones later or recently, let us know. My thought is to try to avoid overlapping with Monday night football for fo folks that like to watch the NFL. But if folks are, are, uh, we know about we can compete against the NFL. We know <laughs> yeah. that we're that kind of viral attraction. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's when we'll be, uh, it, it won't be Monday night live this year. We'll just stick with the football never sleeps name. We liked it. Um, Eric, Eric's, uh, I think trying to make me feel good because that was a, one of my suggestions, um, so we, uh, we're going to stick with the name of football never sleeps, but it will be our weekly show talking Notre Dame football all season long, uh, Monday, Monday nights throughout the week, throughout the season, um, starting at 7 PM Eastern. So hopefully you guys can join us then, but obviously you can catch the replays whenever you want, but we appreciate the, the live engagement. I had lots of folks chiming in tonight. I love to see that. So thank you for doing that. Um, thanks again to Joshua Williams for the $10 earlier. Um, we appreciate all you guys. Checking us out, tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed. Um, hit the like button. Um, even send us some comments after the show. Um, if you have questions, like I know some people 
I think there was like a question that was submitted after the recording last year. It's hard for me to remember like or last week. It's hard for me to remember to include that in the show. So if you can't get, if you have a question, try to look when we post, I usually post the live show link 24 hours before it goes live. So you can submit questions in advance. So that's a better way for me to make sure I don't lose it. So if you have something that's burning, uh, that you're burning to hear us talk about, try to get those on the, the, the current show link rather than the past one, because I, I know there's one now and it's the end of the show now and I don't remember what the question was. Um, so we'll try to, try to streamline those things and, and, and get to as many questions as we can during the show, which I think we got to pretty much all of them tonight. So thanks again for everyone for sending those in. I just want to say a quick thank you for everybody that has jumped on board. We started this whole thing with Monday night live last year, three days before our first show, I said, Hey, why don't we, why don't we try this out? And we kind of put it together and um, you know, the numbers, have been slowly building, but they built during the off season. Yep. And, and we are closing in on 2000 subscribers, which for a first year, I think is excellent, but we want to continue that up. So wake the neighbors, tell your friends uh, to, to subscribe and to watch us. The views have been well over 2000. So I want to thank everybody that has put up with us. Yeah, thanks a lot. We're trying to get to 2,000 subscribers. So like, like Eric mentioned, if you know someone who isn't subscribed or if you're not subscribed, please subscribe first. Um, and that's Even just if for... you have to fudge a little bit and say we're eye candy, do it. <laughs> and uh, you could create some extra Gmail accounts if you need. No, I'm teasing. Uh, but yes, yeah, subscribe to us. We appreciate the support um, and hope you all have a good week. Uh, this is our last week without the Notre Dame football season starting. So we're it's going to be here before we know it. I sort of can't believe that, but we'll be back with you guys on Monday night um, for Football Never Sleeps of Game Week, and I'm excited to get rolling. Good night. <laughs>